Welcome to the Monday Lorians. No, you're not mistaking your ears. This is Jake, not Niall. I have <laughs> Niall has not suddenly become a Gibraltarian and lost his Irish accent. But he's here with me. Uh, and we are the Monday Lorians. We are a casual podcast discussing all things Star Wars on, you guessed it, a Monday, when we can. Uh, we explore the stories, themes, characters, and have a lot of fun along the way. But um, yeah, Niall, you're normally in the driver's seat on uh, the last for quite a while now you've been hosting the show but it's me now and that's because you're feeling a bit ill isn't that right yeah i'm i'm not feeling uh up to my i don't know what my usual standard is how i described that but um yeah i'm not i'm not quite feeling it today folks not a not about star wars i always feel good about star wars but just physically i feel a bit broken i feel like sheev at the start of Rise of Skywalker, kind of in bits. Well, just hanging on a claw, just like... Yeah, if but we had a video podcast, you'd see me hanging from the ceiling. That sounds a bit dark when you say it like that. Skeleton fingers, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's why I couldn't do it. I couldn't type the show notes. It hurt too much. Well, hopefully when you can get when you get better, you can be like Sheev and get some new robes as well. Oh, new red robes. I would love some red robes. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure you would. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so um, glad to have you back, Nile. Is that well? That's actually it's me to be back on the show. I haven't been on. We <laughs> last. Well, it feels so much longer because we're doing this episode. These uh, bi-weekly, bi-weekly. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say like it's been like four weeks, but it's actually been two episodes since I've been on. So yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's kind of confusing situation because we you've come back after this time. We've swapped roles. My brain's not fully here, but I'm I'm trying my best. We're trying. So to, hey, we're just we're switching things up a bit, you know. Uh, keep, yeah. keeping, keeping the listeners on their toes, I guess. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this week, as we said, we've been discussing uh, this season in pairs. So we'll be discussing episodes five and six of season two of the Bad Batch, titled "Entombed" and "Tribe," respectively. So these are so episode five is directed by nathaniel vija nueva and episode six is directed by Stuart lee fans of star wars animated shows should be more than familiar with these names as they continue to pop up uh, they've got a nice little crew there um now in fact what, as a filmmaker yourself what, what, what do you think of that idea of like sort of lucasfilm animation creating this little sort of crew of directors that, you know, pretty much handle most of the Star Wars animated stuff. I think it's been really good because this is something, obviously we started the show during um, The Mandalorian uh, Season 2. And I think saying that maybe we didn't know as much about the animation back then because before, I'll be honest, before we did the show, I didn't follow the specific directors of the animated project so much. But now I'm, I'm really glad that we, I think it was your idea to always credit them in our episodes is we can see like how the stable's building. And it's always exciting when a new name comes up. And to see familiar names, you always know you're in very good hands. So 
it's a long-winded way of saying I think they're doing a great job generally of having a very good team of directors to to pull from but at the same time I'm always so happy when you can see someone's moved their way up the ranks it'd be great to actually make some kind of intricate spreadsheet of where people began on these projects and where they end up yeah there's actually um i i apologize if i'm butchering his last name but matt michenevitz i think it's pronounced which is also another director that pops up he's actually well it seems he's been bumped up to story editor for season two of the bad batch Ooh. so yeah i've noticed that in the credits in every episode he is story and i think he actually directed one of last week's episodes, like a couple of episodes ago. So and was... like um, on, on The Mandalorian, I think season one and two, Rick, uh, Rick Faki, Fakiyuma? Fa- fa- Famuyiwa, yeah. Famuyiwa, he, he, yeah, he's moved his way up. He's like one of the producers of Mandalorian now, isn't he? That's or... right, EP, EP. And in fact, yeah. um, and t- t- it, it kind of ties in for that because I think recently as well, um, they announced the slate of directors, the slate. You know the the, the lineup of directors for was it James Gunn announced it. <laughs> yeah, oh god, that's that's another podcast now. <laughs> um, but yeah, they announced the sort of lineup of directors for season three, and we know we got some familiar faces, but we also got some new faces. Uh, and I I didn't write this down because I didn't think we'd be talking about it, but um, I noticed that one of the directors is a new face. I can't remember her name, uh, but I looked her up. Uh, she's a fresh face in directing. But she was actually the director of photography for Rick Famuyiwa's uh, Dope movie, mm. which is kind of the movie that sort of got his name out there and people start to pay attention. So I really like that it seems to be a Lucasfilm thing where they're building like this little group of directors, or storytellers, creatives, and they're like bringing their friends along and like building them up and giving them opportunities to work in this field. I think it's great. Am I wrong? Um this isn't just like a flu fake memory, but uh, the director of Minari is going to be doing an episode of The Mandalorian season three, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was, I think that was then. Yeah. That is so cool. He makes like this very beautiful film about Koreans setting up a farm in America. And it's like, do you want to do a Star Wars? It's like, I know that's not the end goal of a director's job. I know, you know, that mcu thing anytime someone makes a good movie they're like they should direct fantastic four it's like <laughs> that's just that's, that's not like the reward for making a good movie you know but uh but i'm a sucker you know i love star wars and i always want to see like people's takes on it it is something i'm feeling i don't know how you're feeling about this jake um because recently netflix made like a sizzle reel and we're seeing a little bit of Zack snyder's rebel moon which, which... Uh, I, ha- I have not seen the scissor reel, but I've been, you know, I've heard about this film and been in production for a while now. Yes. Yeah. Which, and it started life as a Star Wars film. It was going to be his, I think his kind of Kurosawa take, like Seven Samurai homage, which obviously we, uh, we've had a few times <laughs> across different projects. Yes. But, but you know, I, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's gotten to make it. But I still have that thing, even though I'm up and down with Zack Snyder. It's like, oh, but I would love, just love to see his Star Wars film. Oh, he's, can he you imagine how divisive that would be? Amazing. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be Yoda great. breaking someone's neck. It would be oh. sick. I think, and he should cast Brie Larson as like the lead. Why not? Let's just like, go all out. <laughs> let's go all out. <laughs> Destroy the internet. Well, they'd be torn, wouldn't they? Because it would be like people who love Snyder but hate that. He was like, it would be very funny. It would it would ruin YouTube thumbnails? That's what I mean. I think it'd be fantastic. It would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. We'll, we'll make a petition after after the episode. <laughs> Release the Snyder Star Wars cut. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, no, but yeah, uh, happy for him that you know he's gone over to Netflix and he can kind of do what he wants really. And whatever, I look forward to seeing Rebel Moon. Does it? Did it say when it was coming out? Was it this year? December, yeah, December, right? But big, big tragedy though, just because I, I know it's become a oh, I can't believe it, a Ryan Johnson movie was divisive. But people are up and down on Glass Onion. I really enjoyed it. I'm, but, I'm still yet to watch it. I've got it in my watch list, but yeah, I've, yeah. But I feel like because I seeing that in the cinema really helped. Um, and so this Rebel Moon, it's like, well, why are they releasing like a sci-fi epic that I'm just going to watch on my TV? I want to see it on the big screen, you know? Yeah, because with all due respect, I can't see it being in like a an award contender for anything. So Netflix would have would have no real reason to release it in cinemas, even if it was limited. Do you know what I mean? But I, ca- I can't help but think it would probably make some money. Oh, 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 I mean, yeah, it'd make money. But this is the thing. This is I've always thought yeah. about Netflix. I'm like, Netflix clearly love money. But yeah, th- th- they seem to want subscribers more than money. I don't understand. Because like, because Glass Onion made quite a bit of money in, in a very limited release in the cinemas. Think, well, even the first one, Knives Out, made yeah. like five hundred million, half a billion dollars, and then Netflix are like, excellent. Let's put that on the streaming service. Was Netflix like? Oh, this might save like small, small murder mysteries. We got to put a stop to that. <laughs> What's the logic? So, I understand. Yeah. Sorry for the folks at home. This has become like a general state of the union on <laughs> streaming and all that. But it's it's interesting. We're in that landscape. I think it's uh, an interesting discussion always to have as it keeps yeah. changing and evolving and all that. Anyway, mm. we're, we're, let's not talk about the stream. Well, we'll talk about one streamer, Disney Plus, and uh, its shows, Star Wars shows, The Bad Batch. So, um, yeah, l- let's get into this, Niall. Like, uh, uh, you know, episode five and six. Well, let's talk sort of briefly about episode five, which is titled Entombed. Uh, this is very much a homage to Indiana Jones and those type of um, archaeologists adventure type uh, serial adventures as well and comic books and stuff like that um i know you're a huge indie guy uh niall so what what did you think of how they handled that sort of tone and style for this episode um this one up to a certain point i i thought was just fine it was kind of always on a level uh i i just i wasn't too invigorated and i think it's be, I think it's because it's almost feels like it's paying homage so much that I was seeing the episode play out ahead of time. You know, it's just like certain things like here's the puzzle. It felt really like more of an Indiana Jones, I thought, like watching a video game. It felt really like the Uncharted games for some reason, just like tempo of it and puzzle solving. Well, I tell you what, like when they were like doing one of the puzzles things and like yeah. the, the rocks move and stuff. I literally turned around to my girlfriend and said, I've done something like that on Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> I was saying, I was just thinking that because I've actually started replaying it because I got um, on PlayStation Plus and I wanted to see what it's like on a PS5 because I've got one now and it, it plays really beautifully. Nice. But it, yeah, it feels like that. And I, <laughs> this is this why I'm glad you're here, Jake, because me and, me and names, uh, the, the lady, the uh, explorer lady. Oh, uh, Fee. Fee. Yeah. I, I didn't think, she's a, a very compelling take on that archetype. She feels like very standard, like adventure person has some quips. Oh, it went wrong. Oh, well. And I was, uh, I couldn't stop, stop thinking of like, Oh, I would have loved to have seen like Dr. Afra 
<laughs> doing this adventure because she's such a fun character because she's like really really repugnant morally mm. and i think that helps because she can't this character obviously can't be too much like that because otherwise a bad batch just would not tolerate her i think it i think it also suffered a bit from i don't think it needed all of the main cast in this it could have benefited from having a few less so people got a few more moments you know like in, yeah. in an episode like this i don't know like tech and echo didn't get to do too much um wrecker got to throw a monster out a window so i was like yeah that's pretty good um but i will say when this this episode takes its twist so to speak that with the I, with the with the tech kaiju is that it? yeah I, I did think that was really really cool this like ancient walking weapon which again is like back to video games is literally from zelda breath of the wild like these giant mechanical beasts that shoot laser beams i was like Whoever made this episode, I think, was really... They'd gamed a lot during the pandemic. That's my, my big takeaway. So, it's, you know, this one's fine. I don't know if this is the kind of adventure... It's a nice change of pace for the show, but I don't know if it really... If, if it really benefited from the Bad Batch being in it, and this could have been, like, a, a standalone thing with a character who suits it better. That's my kind of yeah, yeah. No, I, take. I see where your head is with that and i actually agree with you i mean i, I imagine that imagine like a a proper adventure style indie style adventure but like its own series it's with its own character or its own movie or something like that um i think that'd be great and you know lucasfilm own indiana jones and stuff like, like yeah. why, why not get on that but um, i could almost see this as from general pitch maybe this is what our skeleton crew show will be kind of like oh yeah i keep, I keep forgetting that show is coming out and I've got a good feeling about it. I don't yeah. know why. I, but... I, always, I keep referring to it as the Jude Law Show. Because <laughs> that's all they've told us about it. And Jude, Jude Law's in it. <laughs> I thought you said Dude Law. And I was like, yeah, man, I follow Dude Law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is a dude as well. He's so. cool. I like him. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, to, to the Afra thing, I don't think... Is she even born? Or she would have been very young. Um. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, no, I've, no, yeah. yeah. But I meant if they like wanted to do like something with that character, something just with, use yeah. this plot at any at point. Anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I loved this episode, but it was the sort of like, yeah, this is a fun adventure. Um, but when I watched this second time, I started to, I paid a bit more attention, like for writing notes and stuff like that. And I did kind of notice this, this, what I really was drawn to it was like sort of the idea of legend. And, and, and how it's played out in this, you know, with Fee telling her stories and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I quite like the opening scene where she's telling Bolo and Ketch, you know, the two bar, uh, the two bar rats that never leave Sid's place. Uh, and they're just like on their like edge of their seat. And I'll tell you what happened next, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and I just thought, you know, that Star Wars is kind of, this episode in a way is trying to tell fans and the viewers of this, like, legend there's power in legend there's purpose in legend don't worry too much about like the facts and things and it, it more sort of pointing in star wars direction of like canon you know um we don't need the answers to everything let's just embrace the adventure sort of thing of discovering an ancient culture and, and things like that uh, and but what i did kind of like with what they did with the indie adventure tone is they did kind of update it to the modern lens in the sense of, and one that I'm a big uh, sort of sp speaker of, 
of it's absolutely fine to go and discover other people's and countries' cultures, their beliefs, their architecture, their weapons, anything, you know, that's related to their culture. Discover it, embrace it, but leave it there. You know, and I think this episode is kind of trying to say that of like, you know, I, I especially um really like the line that Fee says of like, I can't remember, Sakar or something like that. It has reclaimed it, you know? Mm. And I kind of like that. It's like, it's putting it back in its place and you won't get it back. And she's accepting of that. And for her, like, I'm sure she would like to come away with some sort of treasure. As she says, I'm a liberator of ancient artifacts or something like that, rather than a pirate. Which I, I like. I like the use of that. Obtainer uh, of rare antiquities. Yeah. <laughs> it belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> and, um, but I kind of like that she's, you know, at the same time, that's not really her goal. Her goal is more the adventure of it. Let's have fun. You know, it might be fun. That's what she keeps on saying. And then you have the two grumpy old dudes, Hunter and Echo, which are just like, eh, I don't know about this. <laughs> I, I like that they're like kind of aware of their brand. They're like, this doesn't sound like a bad batch escapade, but okay. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, that's what I was kind of really drawn to with, um, with that episode Entombed. And yeah, the, the tech kaiju thing was really cool. And it was so cool. <laughs> like, uh, it took me like that shot, you know, where you see it all in its glory against yeah, like, yeah. that landscape. One of my favorite shots in Star Wars of recent memory, like so wonderfully animated and just beautiful and the music as well by kevin kiner i think he's doing a wonderful job as he always does uh, but i swear he's getting better but i mean i guess experience does that yeah i did um it did suffer for me as well that it is kind of a secret uh creature episode you know they're my least favorite uh, when there's some monster after them and it's it's fine like i get its purpose in the app but but i do love <laughs> and this is all the thing i really love with this giant monster and just uh, when they talk about this ancient civilization, I love that stuff. I think that's really, I'm hoping kind of the future of Star Wars is like exploring like more of these cultures you don't know about. I know there's rumblings about stuff in like the uh, unknown regions. And I, you know, this thing is so such a different design than we've seen before. It's like also future technical. I don't even know how to describe it. The I mean, the, the, the very first image that popped into my head was the tripods from the War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Which no, is very, you know, sort of Victorian look of of sci-fi, you know, sort of roundy sort of shapes with big bulbous eyes and that sort of stuff. But also, like, this thing is, I guess, technically a droid? But it feels like a creature. If That's what I mean, because... Yeah. When it was, you know, when it was activated and started tearing up the place, like, I almost felt like... Um, like it was drawn to Mel <laughs> and the little droid running away, yeah. which unfortunately doesn't make it. But you know, Fee doesn't seem to worry because she's got him backed up. Um, smart, I think that's yeah. smart considering her her trade. Um, but it it's after that it goes towards the shuttle. Like it feels like mm. you should not be here. Like there's got this sort of spirit about it. So yeah, I completely agree with you. Like as a sort of I don't want to say human quality to it, but an animalistic quality to it. But it feels like, and you don't actually get this very often in Star Wars, I think, despite being filled with aliens, but it felt truly alien. It's like, what is its purpose? It's like, 
this living thing of un or kind of living thing of unknown purpose. It's like, is it a weapon? Is it defense? You know, it's yeah. And the thing really is, interesting. No, it's fascinating, and I love this. You know, mm. me being a big fan of you know fantasy literature and medieval literature and, and all the stuff like and just myth and mythology in general like that's kind of the point of it is that you don't know all the details and that sense of wonder of wondering what happened who did this you know how how long ago was this you know all these sorts of things adds to that mystery and not mystery of like i'm going to find out the clue the mystery of this vast world you know that we could can't possibly explain every single little detail of it but that's what makes it so rich that you can't explain every detail of it that there are some mysteries um you know tolkien was a big thing of like that like he put things in his works that he was like i don't necessarily have an explanation for that you know like tom bombadil is one of the biggest ones where for, for decades people have argued what he is and we can't we don't really know um and i can't i wish star wars would veer more into that as it is a modern day mythology like mm. keep doing stuff like this alluding to history and cultures that we don't need all the answers to but it's still cool to watch you know as this episode showed it's interesting you said that um because i was thinking recently of this kind of debate i saw i don't know if you could call it a debate actually if it's on twitter it's usually it's like some kind of miserable pile on, but sometimes they're interesting. Sometimes what they're discussing, and one of it was about this idea of a lot of um, kind of online film criticism now focuses a lot on like I think this is a bad screenwriting class thing of like what is the purpose of a scene, and if a, the purpose of a scene isn't immediately obvious, people say it's like filler or pointless, and I think Tom Bombadil, I think, is the ultimate bizarre <laughs> thing in fiction it's like the perfect example of this character comes in seemingly an omniscient omnipotent whatever character comes in solves a problem and leaves the story just like walks out and i find that really engaging i'm i'm a pro bombadil guy <laughs> i understand why they avoid him in like the films but i'm also like but wouldn't it have been great to have had audiences leaving talking about us? Like, wonder what the deal with that guy was. Yeah, who was that? I mean, just like the hobbits, they after they finished, they were still like, I wonder what what was all that about? Like, you know, because I think it is like an interesting peek into like <laughs> I, I hate to use the term in this sense, but like almost Lovecraftian aspect of Tolkien's universe that there's like some beings so powerful that they barely care about what's going on. <laughs> I don't know, like. I, I don't know how I got onto this from <laughs> from Star Wars having Star a cool Wars. big robot, but um, but no, I think we'd we'd lose something if we lost like some of our our weird kind of our scenes or things where the meaning isn't immediately clear or maybe isn't clear. Maybe it means nothing. That's what's great. Yeah, is and that... the thing is, and I don't want to sidetrack too much, but the thing I have similar qualms with like modern day like criticism and stuff like that, where. I always wonder, like, you know, art, whether it's a film or a comic or whatever, sometimes it's just meant to have a vibe, mm. Do you know? And I know people hate that term, but it is. Like, it's just meant to sort of evoke a certain emotion. That emotion yeah. can be personal to the viewer um, or, the, or the reader, whatever. But that's what it's meant to do. And in this case, for this episode, going back to The Bad Batch, this, I think, is meant to evoke a certain sense of wonder. 
uh, because we are following, you know, the show is we're sort of watching it through Omega's eyes. And I just love that we see Omega absolutely so giddy about this sense of adventure and wonder and not knowing, you know, repeating everything that Fee says, you know, in an oh, wow, you know, sort of thing. Um, and I kind of like that in this episode we get this maternal figure for Omega, which I, because, you know, Sid's not really that <laughs> much of a maternal figure for Omega, really. She's more of like the grouchy grandma, the aunt or something like that. But Fee seems very much like that sort of maternal maternal figure for Omega, who's just surrounded by a bunch of dads, you know, or big or dads, dad, dad brothers, yeah. brothers, uncles, that sort of thing, you know. Um, so it was really nice to see that sort of chemistry and what Omega is like with that sort of maternal figure as well. Uh, That's why I think it, it could have benefited from having the cast reduced a bit and maybe having that. Um, relationship but like maybe more to the forefront maybe have hunter there because he is like yeah i think, closest hunter, to one scale. I think hunter needs to be there because he kind of goes through a little bit of a journey himself in this episode of of being like okay you know i, I uh, you know i'll have fun once in a while i guess it's always i almost wish some of these episodes were just randomly cut like we we're saying point the the kind of pointless or weird bits or just cut to what crosshair is doing just lying on his miserable bed. <laughs> just moping in his bed. Yeah. Yeah, so his I wonder what the boys are up to. They're <laughs> just being chased by a giant mechanical giraffe. Like, <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, so that that's in, that's entombed, which I thought was yeah a genuinely cool twist. That what you think is like a kind of generic sci-fi fantasy tomb is actually a, a amazing giant robot. So yeah, yeah. Props for that. And, and you know what? I hope we don't find out what that robot was or what it was doing or anything. I just want that to remain as it is. Uh, mm. One la last little thing on this episode I mentioned, which I noticed, is that um, obviously it's a treasure hunt as well. And I noticed that this is now, it seems to be the theme through season two, this sense of treasure. Because, you know, we opened the season with going to Count Dooku's place and trying to steal his treasure. Um, and what all their different opinions about it. And then we sort of get it in a new angle, uh, you know, Omega sort of v v perspective on what treasure is, has changed a bit. And so has some members of the back, uh, but the batch, but I found it really surprising that so quickly after the first opening two episodes in episode five, they were like, we're doing the treasure thing again, you know? Uh, so I think that's something to watch out for. I don't know. We'll see, but I think there's maybe something to watch out through throughout the season. Maybe the real treasure was your clone brothers you may met along the way. It's family. It's as family. Vin, as Vin Diesel would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm always glad to end an episode discussion on a Dominic Toretto line. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, can't, I don't think I mentioned it at all in the, the racing episode. That was like two episodes ago. Oh, my God. You missed so many opportunities. Oh my God. Yeah. I was listening. When I was listening to that episode, I was like... So many Fast and Furious op uh, jokes could have been made here, but alas. Oh, yeah. I'm failing my own personal brand. <laughs> You're failing family, Niall. <laughs> That's really harsh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so, Leah, let's move on to episode six, titled Tribe. This one directed, as we mentioned earlier, by Stuart Lee. Uh, this is kind of the episode that everyone has been waiting for, for like, Nearly a year since Celebration last year, 2022, they uh, dropped the very first trailer of The Bad Batch Season 2 back when they thought it was being <laughs> coming out in like September or something like that. Um, 
and it had you had the hero shot of Gunji, Gungi, Gunji, however you want to say it. It's a hot... We'll get into that, Niall. Um, of him, you know, lighting up his lightsaber, and then it caused massive amounts of speculation of like, oh my God, Gunji's back. He's a, He survived Order 66. I wonder what happened. All these big questions being asked naturally, as you would do. But I have to say, Niall, and I c- kind of... I'm not going to lie. I kind of had those thoughts into my head as well going... Not going into this episode, but because uh, I didn't know, but going into once I found out it was going to be the Gunji episode, thinking, what are we going to learn here? Is this going to be one of those big TV episodes, you know, the uh, pivotal uh, moments in the show where a change happens, a big reveal happens? And I love that it wasn't. You know, I absolutely adored that this story, yes, Gunji's back, but it's not about how he survived Order 66. It's not about him getting back into the fight. It's about a kid wanting to go back home because he's lost his other home. And for that alone, I actually think it's probably my favorite episode of the season thus far. I just, but uh, I'll kick it back to you now. What do you think of Tribe? Pretty good. I <laughs> <laughs> was pretty good. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Because um, I know um, out of the, the three of us core, like Monday Lorians, you, me and Dave... I'm probably like you. You two are like more Clone Wars than I am. Yeah. So yeah, I'd I say that's I, fair. And uh, you know, I, I I like the youngling stuff. Fine, that arc with with Gunji and all that. So when I heard he was going to be in it, I was like, oh, I guess. But it's it's more like because <laughs> I've got you know I've I've got I've got beef with Wookies generally. Yeah, you you're know, not the I, biggest Wookie fan, are you? I'm not the biggest Wookiee fan. I think Chewbacca's kind of gotten a too much of a free pass over the years. Hey, man. Being a guy who doesn't do too much. Don't be shit he's, talking about Wookiees. Well, uh, <laughs> as someone who's watched the holiday special fair too many times already, I think I'm entitled to shit talk Wookiees a I little mean, bit. That's, L- Lumpy is Lumpy. not up to the standard of Wookiees. <laughs> Lumpy, itchy, Marla. Oh, oh no. <laughs> my core gang. Um, but you know, and I did get a little PTSD from that when there's, there's a lot of scenes of Wookiees making noises at each other. I was like, "Oh God, are they about to watch some music videos?" <laughs> but but I thought this was done. You know, this is done well. Like you said, the story is good and all that. I do think um, this would have been a nice time to repair relations between the the Trandoshans and the Wookiees, which is just a gruelingly mean. <laughs> like a relationship for two species in the universe to have they're like the Harkonnens and the Atreides you know Oh no! always at each other's throats and you know I, I'd like I suppose we have Sid so we've got some positive Trandoshan representation yeah, in the show there's also um that 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 uh, Trandoshan Jedi from the High Republic oh I, yeah I, I know has its fans as well yeah um, well he looks cool but uh, uh, it's a sh- it's a she actually I think so. oh sorry yeah. I, I think I I actually can't remember I think it's a she though um however but apart from that yeah the Trandoshans don't really get a good rap do they 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 like I mean, one they of don't those make species. a good case for themselves when we see them do, you know, <laughs> burning forests <laughs> and even what was the leader said a hundred Wookie pelts for whoever kills the Jedi <laughs> I, I we, me and um, my girlfriend just rewatched uh, Inglorious Bastards the other night. So when oh, he was yelling, yelling about pelts, film. like I think about Nazi scalps. Nazis. And I want my scalps. <laughs> Inglorious bastards. <laughs> I would like to see that movie. 
But they wouldn't be the good guys. So that, I don't, I'm confusing my own case with this. That, that's another bad batch, yeah. It's another bad batch. But no, I thought, yeah, this episode, pretty good. Like, I, well, I was going to say with Gunji, like, I was going to say, oh, of course they had to get the one, like, uh, Padawan from that arc or youngling who, who just can't speak normally. So I've got to, like, just hear Wookiee noises for so long. But I, I, I get why they did it, you know. Well, just, Hunter knows Wookiee. A little okay, bit. Yeah. Little rusty. No, Sh- Shiru. Yeah, Shiruuk is the Shiruuk. Na- is the name of the language. Yeah, and um, it's fun to hear them kind of reference that that arc that was never made very briefly. The the Clone Wars arc. They were going to go there with Yoda and swing on vines and ride lemurs. I think. Uh, am I making this up? I, no, I. I, I'm not sure about the lemurs. So. I thought they like rode giant lemurs or something. Maybe. maybe. Well, we got giant cats. So oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know why I thought lemurs. Guess they're just in trees more. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. This is a regular segment as we're going to do going forward, where I try to describe episodes that weren't made based on some concept art while I'm ill. Oh yes, I like that new segment. We can. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and tell you guys what happened in Jewel of the Fates next week. Oh God. Um... <laughs> I think there was some. Um, I can't remember now. Never mind. Anyways, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I think. Yeah. No. Um. So yeah. No. I, I really kind of liked. Um. Well, the fact that we got to uh, revisit Kashyyyk. Um. I really like Kashyyyk. I don't know about you, Nile, but um. You know, we kind of we haven't really, in my opinion spent that much time there like we obviously had a brief look at it in revenge of the sith but the, you know it was in the middle of a battle um we got to explore it in fallen order which mm. i liked which was kind of cool get to meet uh, tarful tarful yeah um but we but i think we kind of spent more more real time here in the planet you know that we got to learn a bit more about how the planet is you know uh the wookies like uh, connection to the planet, their relationship with the planet. You know, I, I loved when they said, you know, the, the the trees, the planet belongs to the trees, you know. I love that stuff. You know how I love my trees and I'll just walk in forests and stuff for ages. Um, you know, and Star Wars is not subtle, as we've talked about. You know, there's big themes here of nature and deforestation and stuff like that. Um, but I just love that we actually get to spend time in this place, surrounded by nature, learning more about Wookiee culture as well, which I appreciated. Like, I know you haven't always been a Wookiee fan, Niall, but <laughs> did, 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 did any of, like, the showcasing of more Wookiee culture and, like, you know, the, the tribe's woman and bringing her uh, Gunji in and stuff like did anything, did you feel more sympathy for the Wookiees no. <laughs> I, I don't I don't lack sympathy I, I do think what is happening is not good I wasn't fist pumping when it, when the Empire was showing up no no uh, but you know what so what always helps is I got to see them all sit down and eat together and I, I always like that I always makes me like feel more for people when I see them just enjoying food and have a, trying to have a good time and a bad time and I love I love the uh, aesthetic of Kashyyyk. I love those tree houses that they live in. Always been a big fan of that. Um, yeah, the, the old the old one wearing the robes though. Once again, and back to the holiday special. Thinking like, oh god, it's life day. It's <laughs> Gun- day. Gunji had to come home on life day. And yeah, the religious stuff I think was. <laughs> I hate to go back there, but it is something that I think that that arc before was going to delve into. 
That's right. The, the creatures they were riding were like kind of spirits they prayed to, I think. They were like creatures that oh, they right. worshipped. Okay. So I, I think the, the intent of that arc was probably going to be Yoda learning about another culture in that sense. Like kind of, it's almost like their vision of the force as their relationship mm. to the forest. So um, I guess the, is that why maybe that would have been like the arc to tie into because isn't it in Revenge of the Sith that Yoda says good relationships with the Wookiees I have like yeah yeah I, I I think that was going to be the intent because we can't have any line of dialogue not be explained not, not, yeah, with a exp- three episode arc of Clone Wars Jake no yes um, well as in <laughs> said not everything has to be explained uh, which I appreciate yeah um, but yeah no I am. Um, I just like the fact, because I like that we're getting this new wave of Star Wars in a way. We are paying close attention to culture within Star Wars and alien races. And so, you know, I really enjoyed what they've been doing with the, the Tusken Raiders, you know, um, in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, where, or I, like, I don't even like calling them Tusken Raiders anymore, like Tuskens of the Dune Sea. You know, that just it just sounds more like who they are, and they've just been labeled as raiders. You know? Uh, yeah, I guess it's not great. It's like if um, it's like if like, like if the Welsh people. did something particular, and it's like we we just call them like the Welsh thieves. The Welsh thieves. <laughs> like you can't call a whole civilization that. Well, people do though. People uh, we do. do. People We're not do. great. It's it's not great. No, and I just like that this is all about. You know, it's. You know, it sounds kind of cheesy and corny, but it is all about unity and what happens when you connect with nature, connect with your culture, connect with your community, what you can achieve versus isolation and tyranny with the empire. Like like Palpatine, he knows that if people come rise up together, you know, if they believe that they are stronger together, that they can overthrow him, they can beat his empire. He knows that which is why he's purposefully, as we see here, you know, destroying homes, r- separating people, you know, taking people as slaves. We saw that in Rebels. We saw that in Andor. You know, th- they are doing these things to separate people, to isolate people, to make people believe that you're always going to be alone and we're just going to have this iron fist over the galaxy forever. But we see in this episode that working together and community you come out the better side, you know? Like, even with the Trandoshans, you know, we joked about the 100 Wookiee Pelts thing. Um, but I think that's pretty... You know, they're, even them, a group, can't work together. Like, everything about them is competition, you know? <laughs> like, why? if you work together, you might have been able to catch the Jedi. But because you're all competing against each other, you can't catch Gunji. Gunji. <laughs> Whatever. Gungi? I don't know. Um... <laughs> Hot debate, hot debate, Niall. Uh, but uh, no. but yeah, I you know it, it's it sounds simple and it sounds kind of corny, but I think that's kind of what this episode is trying to tell. And in a way, another thing I think, and which I kind of wanted to ask you, Niall, because I don't want to make too many assumptions, but I thought this episode really dealt with on what is home and how does home make that a part of your identity. And, uh, you know, you can say as much as you want now, but I kind of wanted to ask you as a person from Ireland where people have a certain perspective that being Irish 
in itself is a part of who you are as an as a person, like your identity, like your home. What do you make of that and how this episode kind of handled that from your perspective? It's interesting you say that because I am, I, I consider myself Irish, but I am, I was born in Wales, you know. Hmm. Um, but that's the thing. I, I've lived in Ireland so long that no one, no one in Wales believes I'm Welsh, but also in Ireland, no one in Ireland believes I'm Irish because I'm, I think I'm like too, almost too much of both to fully like fit in. I'm not trying to say I'm like, I'm like Superman, I'm a child of two earths, but, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting. I, I, I struggle with that sometimes because I know some people like they're kind of, uh, where they're from is a big part of their, their identity. And I don't know if I've ever really been able to avail of that in the same way. So yeah, I, I like stories like this that tackle that. There's a great line in, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, After Sun. It came out towards the end of last year. Very good film uh, with Paul Meskell, an Irish actor. He, he's nominated for an Oscar for it. So it's vaguely culturally relevant now okay. <laughs> to talk about. Very good film, though, but brutally depressing. Uh, it shook me for a week. Um, he's got a line in it. He's asked by his young daughter in it. It's like he's from uh, Edinburgh in the film. And he's asked why is he ever going to move back? Because he moved away for work. And he said something along the lines of, no, because when um, when you move away and come back, it's just no one, nothing's the same. Everything mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. You can never go back. It's like, oh, that is right. Because <laughs> whenever I've gone home, it feels like going back, going back to live in a shoebox in a way. Everything feels so much smaller. Or mm-hmm. just like, I can't fit in here anymore. What yeah. the hell? Not, say, not saying it's better to move away or anything. There's no judgment on my part, but it, it does change your perspective on things. I realize I've been saying all this talking about a Wookiee. <laughs> but, you know, it, it makes you think, especially with the Jedi, because their whole ethos is, you know, controversially in-universe, taking children away from their homes, pretty much. Taking little Annie away from his mama. <laughs> from slavery so he could become a, a space fascist but you know yeah it's it's a tricky one but at least gunji he kind of knew vaguely where his old neighborhood was but yeah kashik's kashik yeah i, I like the fact that you know they said like because he, he can't really remember the place because he was taken so young but he remembers it through dreams mm. you know and i like that, that there's this i think they're kind of you know tying in the fact that you know for sensitive people with their dreams they can have some sort of everlasting memories you know going back to the the original layer one of like oh yeah i remember my mom you know and then you're like well how could you remember your you know (laughs) she was kind of sad and screaming in pain from dying (laughs) dying yeah there was that beautiful line i I think about this quite often um in the obi-wan kenobi show i was just about about to bring that up yeah yeah remembering um maybe having a brother and that I don't know. He doesn't say he was from the planet Stu John. That's not Stu John, canon, yeah. is it? His brother, his brother was Stu. <laughs> John and Stu. Stu one Kenobi. At least Stu he wasn't two from, Kenobi. Like the planet Jay Leno or something. At least he got a, <laughs> oh, no. a vaguely respectable late time host. Um, no, I, I love that you brought out that line because I was thinking about that as well. The fact that we, you know we get to see it from Kenobi's perspective, like oh, you know, like he was taken mm. you know he th- thinks he might have had a brother he, he's not too sure and we have a, a similar thing with gunji where uh, but you know but obi-wan says 
you know, but I found a new home. I found a new family with the Jedi. Um, you know, he found that new family with them. And in a way, kind of roles are reversed here where Gunji was taken so little. He found family with the Jedi. That was his family. But that's all destroyed now. His home's his home is gone. So he has to go back to his original home, which, and it's really interesting you mentioned that um, that film with with that um, that quote you said because I, in my perspective, I think that's true. Having also moved away from you know moved from a different country from Gibraltar to the UK, and each time I visited, um, it got less and less more like home. Mm. Um, but I kind of like the twist on this story of Gunji going back home, but. It's a new home in his old home, sort of thing. I don't know. It's Episode kind of, four, a new home. A new home. Yeah, it's kind of meta in that sort of a sense. But I really, kind of really like what they're doing here and how being what your home is is being a part of your identity as well. I just like kind of exploring that, um, especially, you know, especially in modern times where nationalism is such a sort of talked about topic, you know. And what that what that actually means, nationalism and identity. I just find mm. it fascinating and I like that. Star Wars is, you know, once again, talking about the big lessons, but in a really simple and effectual way with this episode. I just thought it was great. I did have a slight worry. Uh, I liked them, but I was worried this is where the episode was going. When one of those clone troopers sees, identifies lightsaber marks on the tank, I think. And I think he calls in reinforcements. I was like, oh, is this going to be like an Inquisitor episode? (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't just because, well, it doesn't help. I'm just replaying full Nord. It's like, I I like Inquisitors, but I think they need to just take a break sometimes. So I was glad that the stakes weren't that high. They weren't like having to deal with something that big. Well, but that's why, like I said, in my sort of opening thoughts about this episode, that I really loved that they didn't go for that big reveal that mm. big you know chapter of what happened to gunji and he's how did he survive order 66 and the inquisitors are on him and all that sort of stuff i just really liked they were like oh wow a, a jedi but his interest is just about going home he you know i think sometimes we almost as fans think oh a jedi they're almost invincible sort of thing supermen in a way super people i should say sorry um, super super beings. Okay, there we go. They're not all people, um, but this is a child. Mm. You know, I think we almost forget that because they have Gungi has a lightsaber. That <laughs> he's only a hundred years old. He's only or something. Yeah. yeah, he's probably I don't know 50? twenty twenty. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how they age. Because mm. um, what Chewbacca is like two hundred or something. Like yeah, that. he's. I don't know. Is that young or old for a Wookiee? I, I think that's kind of young for a Wookiee. I guess they kind of age like trees, maybe. Maybe, maybe that's where they can count the rings. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting like that. Um, tribes lady in in this episode, she was well pushing like maybe close to Yoda's age. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the hair never goes that grey. Maybe they're dyeing it. Yeah, which I also find kind of like because like when they did Force Awakens, I was like, hey, Chewbacca looks better than he did in the original trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dying, dying it. He's dying he's, it. Yeah, he's dying. He's got it. hair plugs. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to comment on it, but they're very obvious. Yeah. Something I wanted to talk about because it's um, it's kind of at the start of the episode, and obviously it changes gears. But I love that there's just robots seemingly 
who've chosen to just get into like <laughs> trafficking people. There doesn't seem to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Those um, uh, yeah. I I didn't get. I just put cool new mean gangster droids. I put. <laughs> they were like yeah, smuggler droids. I think they were referred to at some point. Uh, I I thought they were really cool. I I like their not what they do. I don't support what they do, even though with my thoughts on Wookies being what they are. But um, just great design, great voices. I wanted to call this this episode a droid attack and the Wookies. But um, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind that, of, that's good. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what happens, and I I think it's really cool because I was thinking at the start of the episode, it's like, is this all going to be them kind of running around the ship fighting these robots? But it changes gears so quickly. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like a really good cold open to lead into the main plot. Uh, I was I was almost expecting those robots to follow them to Kashyyyk. And that would be like an extra parody involved, but I guess that's a bit too they just, much. They, like... they just pop up at the end. Hey, you! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I was wondering, like, are we going to find out at any point who they were going to sell Gunji to? Because I presume it's not the Empire. It didn't well, sound like that was their kind of operation. Yeah, because so... obviously the droid had, the lead droid had the lightsaber. Like, did he yeah. know it was a lightsaber? Did he know, did he know Gunji was... Well, I presume that was the value of Gunji was that, because I guess I would. I suppose, oh, yeah. Wookies are strong, but I think I, I gotta think they knew he what he was. I don't know. This could be an interesting avenue. Maybe they'll explore it again, like we said. Yeah. Maybe they won't. But I'm yeah, always we'll curious. See. We'll see. We'll see. But um, maybe it was the, the Crimson Dawn. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I guess well, see that guy as a hologram. Yeah, well, I I think some people were saying like, oh, is this like droid group the the droid Gotra, you know, like that um like the droid mafia essentially. The droid like, mafia is this is this a Wikipedia a thing, article? It, it, no, it's a th- it's a canon thing. Uh, what? It's, it, it's talked about in Book of Boba Fett as well. The droid Gotra. It's oh a, right. Yeah, it's it's like you know like its own like sort of gangster cult th- thing, but um <laughs> just droids. <laughs> um. But no, I don't think that's them specifically. And yeah, I agree with you. Cool design, cool voices. Mm. Um, yeah, just just keep bringing like more cool droids and stuff like that. And especially when they do voices like that. Um, some of the other like like designs I like those cats were cool, weren't they? Those big like maybe that's why you thought they were lemurs because their ears kind of were like lemurs. Maybe maybe I'm combining them with the the creatures from the concept art. Yeah. And then, um, speaking of concert art, those are spider creatures. Mm. Those uh, that was from unused Clone Wars episodes as well. Oh, okay. spider, spider creatures, and which is kind of weird. With that little, I was like, uh, I don't. Is that the mouth? I wasn't. They were kind of creepy. Maybe that's the final evolution of Sai Snootles. That's what she'll oh, become. Oh my god. What, what a horrifying a, She's a Pokemon. She's evolved. <laughs> what, what a nightmarish thing to end that episode on, just that Trandoshan being webbed up and raised into the trees. I know, that's quite brutal, isn't it? Pretty, pretty horrific stuff. I know that Trandoshans weren't in the right, but... Uh, I, I think deserved, personally. You know, and yeah. I think Gunji would agree. Because he looks a bit horrified, and then he sort of changes his expression to like, and you get and you deserve it, you know. Like, Every, everyone's redefining what the Jedi way is lately. We used well, to have man, rules, man. It's, it's, it's a lawless place out there, <laughs> man. Um, do what, any other? Oh yeah, I I kind of liked. Um, where was it here? Oh yeah, <laughs> like can we talk about that Wookiee soup, Nile? 
Yeah, let's but, talk about it. Like, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, Wrecker seems to be loving it. He was like, I get used to this, you know? Mm. Um, I think I would be more on the Echo's camp of like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> what, what, what about you? Like the the just the I just wasn't just didn't look appealing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I always struggle because I'm I'm very like a texture person with my food, so it was off putting. But at the same time, if I was there, it's like I got to try it. It seems like it's a a local cuisine. Mm. I'm I'm like a Anthony Bourdain. I've got to just try it, <laughs> and then I can smoke a cigarette and be snarky about it. Yeah. God, I miss him. He was a great guy. But uh, I think I would be like Echo. I'd be like, first I'd be like, I'm okay, thanks. And then eventually I'd be like, all right, this is actually not too bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. I guess Echo's got to be careful because who knows what's going to disagree with his circuitry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got a tough poor, diet. Poor Echo. Because at first um, I thought Wrecker was, I thought it was like alcohol he was drinking because it was from like a small, like weird container. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if they're like, I know they live in a bar, but I don't know if the show has ever shown them boozing it up. I think there's I, like... I reckon Wrecker can have a few drinks. It'd be funny if he was like a real lightweight. Think... That'd be like an ironic little character thing. That'd be fun. And I reckon... Um, in fact, like I, I think I can kind of like imagine like what each of the batches would be their drink. Oh, okay. You know? Do you want yeah. to go for it? Uh, I mean, uh, sure. Um, are these real world drinks or are these Star Wars? Yeah, no, drinks? real, real world. Oh, okay, drinks. yeah. You know, I, I think Echo, he's just the guy that's sulking at the end of the bar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's got a whiskey straight up. Oh right. I just think he's just like, ah, I'm so sick. We should be out there doing something. You know, not here. Like you know that sort of thing. I thought you were gonna say he was a designated driver. <laughs> he's just having water. I th- I think uh, Rekka, I think he just likes a good pitcher of beer. Mm. You know, a big pitcher, like a tankard sort yeah. of thing. I think that, that would go quite well for, for Rekka. Um, Omega, obviously, she has a juice. She can't drink. Like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hunter, you know, Hunter... I, I see Hunter as like... I don't drink much, but when I do drink, I'll have a nice G&T. Oh, Hunter will have a G&T. Yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were just telling me what you were going to have. Oh, no. You, you changed I, the, the I mean, first I could. person. Yeah. I mean, I could, Niall. <laughs> how, how much time you got? Like, <laughs> um, Maybe that'll, heal you, that'll uh, help you with your illness. Um, I don't know. I think Hunter would li- likes a good G&T, you know? He doesn't Ooh. drink much, but when because he, he's, he's on the job a lot. But yeah. when he does, a good stiff G&T, I think. Um what about tech? Tech's one I'm like trying to think of, but I think tech is a martini guy. Oh yeah, just because quite I, an intricate I, I, cocktail. I yeah, think. intricate, yeah. and I think he likes like like you know, ooh, th- you know, if you pour this drink with that drink, it gives off this effect. And, you know, he likes taking data and coming up with new information and stuff like that. So I think yeah, he's a martini guy. Do you know what I bet? I bet he's the kind of guy who makes his own. But he knows if it's not right, he doesn't drink it. He throws it out and he's yeah. like perf- yeah. trying to perfect it always. He's trying to always perfect the it. The percentages. Yeah. I haven't yeah. got quite the consistency. You know? uh, yeah. 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 And he always uses like records, like his taster, I guess. And then crosshair shots. Oh, I think, yeah, just <laughs> shots on his own. <laughs> oh. If Echo's at the end of the bar, 
Rocross says at the back, at the very, very back. You know? Oh, in man. one of those little booths on his own. Yeah. Because <laughs> I almost imagine him drinking whiskey, but maybe it's just a toothpick. He's got like a kind of noir thing going on. He does, yeah. I mean, I, I reckon he enjoys a whiskey, but I reckon now he's just drinking straight up shit. He's just got the bottle. Just, oh, yeah. He's just drinking out the bottle. Leave it. <laughs> Leave the bottle. <laughs> uh, that's a fun game. Maybe we have to play this for every show. Yeah. See what, like... Oh, we got Mando season three up. So <laughs> I don't. Uh, well, let me have a think on Mando, and then we'll we'll get back to that one. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. Just, I think yeah. Anything else in this episode? To no, it's it good stuff overall. You know, good fun. It was nice having like. I guess this is the first time I think since the very first episode of the show we've seen a lightsaber. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I, I I thought when I first watched it, I was like, oh, is this the first time we've seen a lightsaber? And then I was like, oh no, no, we had Order sixty six. No, that's fine. Um, but yes, I think it's the first time. Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't take over the episode either. You know, it, quite restrained with it, which is good. Well, you say that, but uh, Gunji was not restrained with that lightsaber. He was in it like you know as soon as somebody needed help he was like yeah i'm lighting this baby up i'm going in yeah I, i'm worried gunji's instincts won't won't be too useful for him living in this era yeah I, he used to bury that thing in the desert he needs to go to tattooing and he needs, bury to, oh, he needs to leave it on a tree or somewhere you know <laughs> leave um, it on the tree. <laughs> uh and i really like his lightsaber and i actually kind of think you know how in, in galaxy's end you can make your own lightsaber and yeah stuff like that um, you can do like the natural wooden one and stuff. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking when, not if, because I will eventually go there uh, when time and money permits. Um, I, when I construct my lightsaber, I think I would go for that sort of natural wooden lightsaber because that just feels like that's me, you know? I well, I like, I'm, I'm a sucker for level. like furniture with a wooden finish, like the kind of 70s style stuff. Yeah, I think that's, that's really slick. So I do, I appreciate the lightsaber a lot, you know? Hmm. It's a work of beauty, you know. It's okay. And we saw him make it as well, so we have we that more of a connection to it, I guess. So, uh, I, you, if you're watching it with a friend, you can pause the episode and tell them how the lightsaber was made. Uh, oh no! I'll, Just I'll become be like, Wikipedia. Why not? It actually, become Wookiepedia. Yeah. <laughs> know everything about the Wookies. Oh no! Just that one subject. Oh. Do you know Chewbacca oh, has a dad who's got a VR headset? <laughs> Did you hear uh, me and Dave losing our minds on the last episode? I did, yeah. The pillows. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I want to, because I was worried about it. I don't want people to think I'm having a go at Wikipedia because I think it is like a great resource. A lot of work goes into it, but man alive. And I say this with all the love in the world. We work in this podcast, but sometimes Star Wars is so dumb. So and I love is... it for it. No, I, I'm with you now. Sometimes it doesn't make sense at all. And this is just absolutely ridiculous. And sometimes that's just why I love it that little bit more in a way. <laughs> yeah. Because if, if if every time Star Wars like confounded me, if it made me like it less at this point, I would not be here. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes me like it more. But that's the thing. I, you know, I love Andor. I thought Andor was fantastic. But we also need the ridiculous, like the Bad Batch and all mm. this stuff. Yeah. I liked Andor, but it didn't explain to me how Han Solo won his most comfortable armchair in the universe <laughs> <laughs> the questions we're all wondering oh dear right 
Uh, well, so speaking of questions, should we get into uh, our question of the week then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would love we... to. Yeah, before we head out. So, uh, yeah, so this is from our mutual friend, Stefanos Florakis. So he has uh, sent us a question this week saying, do you think the show would have benefited if it had its whole season out at once or at least a couple of episodes per week? Kind of like what we're doing. In a way. Yeah, I guess we've kind of uh, made, out our, made it how the show works for us. <laughs> um, Niall, I will let you start off with this question. What do you think? Do you think this show would have benefited from being dumped all at once as a bingeable show or having double uh, pairs of episodes every week instead? I think I think you answered it in the fact you said dumped because that is what it feels like when shows do that, so that to me. That's that's my own language coming Oh, that was probably my own my own bias <laughs> coming through as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of got how you felt. But I do agree in the sense that I think like the first two episodes they worked dropping them together. I almost think they should just done a longer episode combine them. But but you know, episodes have a structure. But no, cuz I think if they'd done that all in one go, for one, we wouldn't have been able to cover the show. <laughs> really, it would have all been out. And we would have been playing catch up. But also, you know, these are mostly adventures of the week. And that's what's fun about doing them the way we're doing them. Because we get to talk about wildly different episodes, have a bit of variety. Because like, if these two episodes came out the same week, it would just be kind of weird. Especially last time we did it, when it was the wacky races mixed with Crosshair's war crimes. <laughs> it was like... Tonally, that would have been bonkers. I don't know if it would have helped for this. And I also think, because obviously we're not seeing as much traction, well, personally, as much traction online discussion, but that's just kind of the case that's, for these. That's normal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see it as a failing. I'm sure this is getting the audience that they expect, hence why it's got a second season. Um, no, I can't think of really a benefit of of having potentially drops this in one go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just so, so much because if someone wants to catch up in these shows and suddenly they find out a whole new season's dropped, they've got to watch. I, I find it off-putting. That's yeah. always put me off with a lot of Netflix shows. You know, um, I'm rambling now. Also, I just want to say, because uh, you, you describe um, Stefanos as a mutual friend, and I just haven't gotten to meet him yet. It's driving me crazy. Oh, we... yeah. Well, you're friend with him online. Kind of. I don't know if we've ever spoken. Yeah, Stefanos, you seem great. I wish you could have come to uh, the, the birthday oh, yeah, dinner we or about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully we will get to meet at some point. Thank you so much for your question, though. Oh, I sure. I'll make a note. I thought you had at least engaged with him in some way. No, well, I almost feel like I have. And I, <laughs> a while ago, this is this is funny. I'm sure no one will mind me telling this story. I was meeting Dave um, down at the bay. We we're going to have some lunch or dinner or something. Uh, it was Weatherspoons. Don't worry, you didn't miss out. For our international audiences, just Google that. But um, And Dave went to, I think, where Stefanos worked and sent me a picture with him, like a selfie, and said, look who I met. And at that point, I didn't know what Stefanos looked like. I was like, oh, who's that? <laughs> it's like, like really diffused. Eh? He was like, oh, yeah, you haven't met. But it's almost becoming like a fun sitcom running gag. So maybe you should just keep going. It's like a Wilson in uh, Home Improvement. Is that the right sitcom? Yeah, I only see him over a fence. Just, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that could be fun. Sorry, that was such a detour. <laughs> Jake, what do, you, what do you think of the question? I think, um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah no yeah no i i think 
the way it's being released is kind of what what it's designed for. Um, the way they've structured the show is to have an episode of the week, serial adventure styles, some of them even having like sort of cliffhangers of like, what will happen next? You know, that sort of thing. So I think it benefits from having a weekly format. And Steph, I'm not saying this is you, um, but what I've noticed in uh, recent years is that when some people say, I wish they'd just dumped it all, is that they kind of mean, I just want to get to the end. You know, I just want to get to the last episode. I want to see how everything unfolds um, as quickly as possible. Um, and I'm, I sort of go against that. I think binge culture has kind of ruined some people's ability to just enjoy a story as it unfolds chapter by chapter. Um, because I always find when people binge a show, they go, oh, it was great. I loved it. I, oh, what was your favorite episode? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, and it tends to be either the first one or the last one, really, because that's the one that tends to stick with you. But I feel if you have a show that's spread out, it gives you that time to think about each episode as it as it is and it's as its own episode, and then think about at the end what was your favorite episode, what were your favorite stories, themes, characters that popped up, rather than an all jumbled up mess in a way. I'm, you know, my bias is showing, but I'm just not the biggest fan of binge streaming and that sort of um, new wave of watching television. I know it works for some shows, like, great, but I don't think that's right for this type of story. If Star Wars wants to do that in the future with another show, I'm open to it, but not this show. Yeah, because we saw them do it with um, Visions and Tales of the Jedi. And I get, I get they're like very, not really serious, they're like collections of short films more than like TV series. So I, I kind of get it in that instance. But I also feel like if I did have to wait weekly for Visions, which is coming back, very exciting. It is. Oh, they just installed the studios mm. at Ardmond. I love that. Yeah. I think, I think those, the two ones that way back I was talking about, I want them to do it before they even announced it was international. It's, it's very weird to get what you want in life yes. I'm, I mean, I'm half ex- i'm half expecting from them maybe now those will be my least favorite out of the batch who knows it's like the studio just, ghibli one I, I just want gromit to show up somewhere in star wars yeah <laughs> no i god that, that'll be so cool like i will we will do a proper like visions catch-up oh yeah at some sure. point before that comes out because it's, it's that one thing we didn't really get to discuss and it's so cool but, um, oh, we did. We did discuss Visions now. Did we get an episode on Visions? Yeah, I think it was just me and Dave. I don't think you were part I thought of I was Tales of the Jedi. Mm, yeah, that too. But I think, I. you know what? I'll have to check back. But I'm like 80% confident we did a Visions episode. Really? Okay. We will, um, this is a, <laughs> what an interesting dilemma. Maybe this is the illness. Maybe I'll, maybe maybe just maybe maybe on the illness now. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I've, when when does Bad Batch come back? When is season two starting? <laughs> when does he, are we on season four now? <laughs> what year is this? Where's my family? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, interesting question. I'm always happy because as, as you probably heard from the start of the episode, I love talking about the state of the industry, yeah. the state of streaming, the state of cinema, all that. It's all fun. Like even when I sound dour, I'm still delighted to be talking about it. You know. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no and you know, and I again my words may come across as a bit like, ooh, but if you love binging, power to you, man. Like you know yeah. I'm not I don't want to take that away from anyone. If that's how you prefer to to take in a story, that's that's you. Because I, I I became much more of a TV person since we started this show. Now I, I actually like do kind of regularly watch things like TV shows. And I love having to wait a week. I absolutely love it because it feels like I get to enjoy my thing a lot longer and ruminate on episodes and be like, oh, what's going to happen next? And I, I don't want to sound like too dramatic, but it kind of helps me get through weeks of work sometimes. I love my job, but sometimes it's like having that little thing to just be excited about on like a at the weekend or on a Sunday or on a Monday. Yeah, it's great. Or I like having Wednesday. a schedule. Or a Wednesday, it happens. Like, um, there's a lot, lot of shows that I love now. I'm waiting for them all to come back. Like, um, Succession's coming back soon. The Bears coming back in the summer. For All Mankind, uh, House of the Dragon. These shows that I've really loved. I was like, oh, I get to soon get to watch them once a week for like at least ten weeks. Mm-hmm. this is great <laughs> i don't know like i'm it's and fine got, and you know to stay on styles we got mando very very soon yeah yeah cool. I'm, I'm not I'm, i didn't deliberately leave it out i just <laughs> yeah i know yeah. i know but i just want to say that that's another big show that <laughs> yeah you know, no, of every, course. everyone will be watching weekly because yeah. i know like i've had my uh, kind of my ups and downs with like mando boba fett but the, the joy of getting to wake up and have like a new like 40 minutes of like live action Star Wars adventure. It never gets old to me. It's never gotten old. I, I get such a kick out of it. Uh, Andor, of course, gave us both like terrible depression, but it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Andor was a different beast. Uh... Yeah, I got to wake up and see like what horrible things are happening to Andy Serkis. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm so rambly this week. I think it's uh, my oh, brain. It's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. I, everything's fine. Everything. We're all fine now. We're How all are fine. you? I, I don't think this is a boring conversation. <laughs> I didn't want to make the joke. Uh, no, this has been. It hasn't been a boring. It's been a great conversation, Niall. Um, so I think uh, with uh, that question, final thoughts then on these episodes, Niall, and thoughts on. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, next week we have a two-part sort of mid-season finale. So. Um, are you expecting it because they've put two episodes together? Are you expecting something maybe a bit bigger than the last few episodes? I am expecting, because this is something I've been feeling just this whole season so far. And I think it's something I mentioned at the end of last season. I'm not sure what the end goal of this is or what the purpose of this season specifically is, because now they're kind of, they're assumed dead. Obviously, I know Rampart knows, and Crosshair is not looking for them. It's a bit. It's quite a low stakes time. So I'm wondering what is going to be, I presume we're going to get something that's going to make it a bit more of a, what would you even say? Give it the momentum to get it to the end of a season? I guess a goal anyway. Kind of a goal, yeah. A mission. Yeah, I think that's what it's lacking. And it's it's fine. It's like, you know, weekly adventures across the board. But I think it it really helps when you light, light a fire under the guy's asses, you know, it makes great TV you gotta, you got to give people problems mm. for, for drama. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally with you, Niall. I'm on a similar wavelength, uh, albeit maybe a bit more patiently, because I can, I totally see what they're doing this season. Um, 
they're kind of wh- where I thought season one was le- was sort of learning how to unlearn how to be just a soldier in a way I- in this new world. I feel this one, this season is more of a case of like they've come to terms with that. And it's more about figuring out, okay, but where do we fit in this galaxy? What do we want to do? Um, and I can see them edging towards that. I, I can kind of see some sort of definitive answer somewhat. Um, because you do have Hunter kind of being pulled in certain directions towards one thing or another. If you know what I mean, especially from Echo. Mm. Echo is... <coughs> I, which is funny because considering that he was maybe the least utilized in season one, it seems he has like the most dominant voice and sort of, how do I say it? Sort of, he has the goal in a way. He knows what he wants. He's got like the most definitive opposing opinion of the group. Yeah, that's it. Tech and Wreck are kind of, don't have terribly strong opinions about the state of things. They're just happy to do whatever as long as they're hanging out. Yeah, Wrecker's just happy to be Wrecker. And, you know, Tech, he's interested in stuff, but it's more for the, more purely for the fact of knowing it rather than doing anything about it. Yeah, he's more of a Vulcan. He's just, like, interested in the scientific logistics. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously, you have Hunter kind of deciding... Also, well, how do I raise Omega in this? Mm. <laughs> in all of the, in all this, so I can see where they're going. I don't need. <sighs> I'm not going to say I wouldn't like push in these next two episodes, but I won't be mad if there isn't because I can see that it is a bit of a slow burn. The show, and I'm fine it... with that because it's it's like the age old thing, isn't it? From the very first episode, it was a bit of a. <clears throat> A mystery that I wouldn't say maybe hasn't been dropped, but just hasn't been elaborated on in quite some time is what is Omega's deal? You know, that's this like very unique clone. I don't know. Is that maybe we're going to learn some more about her and that'll be the big push? But Well, I, I you know me and Palpatine. We saw Palpatine in the trailer. So, oh, yeah. so, so we have yet to see him in the show. So, that you know, that's coming. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder, you know... I would, yeah, I would kind of. I don't need to know more about Omega's deal because I know enough about her character to just carry on having adventures with her. Mm. Um, but I do wonder if they're gonna pick up on some of the story threads that they did kind of, you know, hint at in season one with the cloning business, mm. um, and the fact that um, you know, they took. What was what was like Omega's like. Kamino and like you know like supervisor called Tan Wee was the one that died <laughs> oh I can't, god I, I can't remember but yeah you know you know who yeah, I am yeah yeah um, you know the Palpatine obviously took her in and um the, em- the Palpatine pa- the, the, the Palpatine the Palpatine the Empire and obviously <laughs> Palpatine wants the, all that cloning stuff so yeah yeah, yeah it, it would be interesting to know more about that but Again, I'm not that bothered, really. You know? I, I feel as if that question doesn't so much matter as much anymore. Oh, yeah. I just think it's funny because I think it was something. I felt like there was intention for that to be a cause of intrigue and they're kind of like happy to leave it. Hmm. It's like, oh, well, 
I hope, I hope if, if this is the case, this is intentional. It's just not that they couldn't think of anything, so they just didn't do it. No, it's yeah, so. I, I, I'm th- I trust the people involved that they kind of, I think they would know where this story is heading in a way. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would be, I would put money on them saying like, we know where this show kind of ends in season three, four, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know, like, cause I know um, with Rebels, it was maybe some people were surprised when they announced that season four would be the final one, but I liked that they had the end goal. So I'd be curious, do they have like an idea how many seasons of this they want to do? Or are they just happy to kind of keep coming up with ideas? Yeah, I was curious. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Personally, I I kind of like shows that know where they're going in a way like they ha- they know they have an ending. Yeah, like like I like sitcoms, you know, fine, you know, but uh, or even some you know like CW shows like these drama shows where they just go on and on and on. And you're like you you big Arrowhead. Yeah, I was, and then it just Same. yeah, and, and then it just became too much. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, that's just my point. It's just so overwhelming. Like, when's this gonna end? You're just doing the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we were talking about the Evil Dead, uh, not the Evil Dead, the Walking Dead earlier. Oh, ex- well, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I like shows that know when they're coming to an end, and I feel this show does have an ending, even if it's not showing us right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am maybe the next episode. They'll go back to Sid's bar and Palpatine's day. And that's like... He's <laughs> just drinking on his own. <laughs> Hanging out with, what, who are those guys? The Athorian and <laughs> the Weequay. Uh, Bolo and Ketch. Yeah, Bolo and Ketch and Sheev. They're his, like, <laughs> drinking buddies from the old days. It's all connected. And, then, and Sid would be like, uh, when are you going to pay up, Wrinkles? <laughs> <laughs> wrinkles! Because <laughs> it, it'd, it'd be the sort of... <laughs> the sort of nickname she would give him, you know? I know. It's like, actually, I was attacked. That's very insensitive. <laughs> it left me scarred and <laughs> deformed. Poor guy. I can't but this that, ain't a charity. <laughs> oh, wrinkles. Oh, that killed oh. me. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so Palpatine's coming. That's He's the coming. exciting thing. He's coming, yes, yeah. And, and you know, and I, I know you... Well, we all want more Crosshair. So I think we'll get some more crosshair coming soon. Yeah, I was happy when I got that episode. It was just a good reminder, like, yep, still doing crazy <laughs> evil crap. Still miserable. <laughs> love him. Love him. Right. Uh so uh let's get out of here then now. But um as we, you know, as I think it's become a, I don't know if you and Dave do it as much, but um it's become a kind of tradition with you and me that we, we recommend something of what we've been watching or doing. Um have you got anything to recommend this week for the for the listeners? Um Oh, well, I really, I feel a bit bad because no, normally I do sing, but recently I've moved flat and started a new job. So I haven't been watching as much stuff as I'd be like, as I'd like to, or yeah, even reading under- that much. That's understandable. Moving is stressful. So I get it, is, it. I get it. it is very stressful, but um, hmm, let me, let me do a quick like pan around my office and see if there's anything there. It's not going to be like, I, re- I recommend desk chairs. Or any uh, documentaries or anything, anything. Oh, I did watch a very good documentary. I will, I will recommend that. God, I, I'm a natural at speaking, aren't I? Uh, I, I watched a good. A That's why good... you do a podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. I really enjoyed this, and it was a surprising one. I watched a documentary on Netflix called American Factory, and it's about. Oh, okay. Do you know this one? I, I I've seen it on like the Netflix homepage sort of thing. Yeah, really good. It's about. 
it's a this factory in America that make manufactures uh, glass for windshields for cars that shuts down during the the recession. And years later, this is before, just at the end of the Obama presidency, a Chinese company buys it out and they set up, they they like reopen it and it kind of saves this town because this is one of those factories that gave everyone employment in that town. But it's a really interesting look at how like the kind of American way of working and the Chinese ways are so like incompatible, like to say like, because Americans want to work and also go home and see their families. And a lot of these Chinese places, they work crazy hours. Or, but it's, it's balanced. It's not trying to like say like, look how great we are compared to this these people. It's very human documentary. And it's really, although like capitalism has kind of driven these two cultures very different, it's very beautiful seeing what ways the people get along on these mm. sides. Really interesting. I, I think I'm probably underselling it horrendously. No, I, I, I'll check that because... That, just that last bit alone uh, sold it to me, Niall. That last bit, so about you know getting people to like working together and how it what it's actually like. So yeah, no, I, I'll put it on the list. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't say like don't get your hopes up about it being a success story, but it is really, wow. really interesting. I, I'm trying this year. I, I'm making a really strong uh, attempt to get really into documentary because it's mm-hmm. not. I've always been more a fiction film, even though I studied documentary for a year. I always like pushed against it a bit because I like. I know it sounds def- a bit defeatist, but I love the escapism of fiction. Yeah, I like no, it when it tackles real things, but but I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. And it's on Netflix. And share share your passwords while you can, folks. Yes. They're clamping down. No, I like to um I kinda like to do that with my reading also, like try to go between fiction and nonfiction, you know. Yeah. Uh try to read as much factual stuff as stories. But um I love my stories though. Yeah. Um and yeah, kind of like you, like my goal this year was that I wanted to read more older literature, like we're talking old, like medieval stuff, just so I can get more into like that world and uh, yeah. get a bit more into that language and stuff like that. Um, and th- this is this is a if you're gonna choose any piece of medieval literature, um, it would be this one. This one is you know it's taught at schools and stuff like that in certain cases, uh, which I read recently for the first time really enjoyed i wouldn't say i understood everything about it but i understood most of it had a really good time uh, and that is the canterbury tales by jeffrey chaucer uh yeah had a good fun with that particular the wife of bath's tale was really fun um these are some lewd tales aren't they some of them yeah, some of them really short some of them a bit longer than others um all done in rhyme verse you know, uh, he uses different rhyming schemes depending on the tale. Um, uh, but most of all, I kind of like the framework of the story where, you know, he's on a pilgrimage and it's just these guys all on the same pilgrimage. And he's like, well, you've got a story. Tell me a story. And, you know, he's got to and he writes it. So, so I really like the frame of it and how it's all done. Um, so, yeah, if people want to check that out. If you're, if medieval literature is your thing. Uh, but the thing is, if you're a fan of fantasy, um, is it this would have been a big inspiration to some of the biggest fantasy authors out there, Tolkien, George R. R. Martin, Neil Gaiman, you know, all these recognizable names, they would have read this. And me reading it for the first time, I'd be like, ah, okay, I can see certain influences. I don't want to <laughs> say, like... Oh my God, it's Tom Bombadil. It's Tom Bombadil <laughs> in the Canterbury Tales. Um, in Canterbury, can you imagine? Um well, I mean, it's not really. I'm not. This, it's, it's not a spoiler. I mean, the text is 
800 years old. Um, 600. No, so yeah, 600 years old. So, you know, we have um, a case of a king inviting another king to marry his daughter. And when they have the wedding at that house, he kills them all. <laughs> so I was like, when I was reading that, I had also just finished A Storm of Swords where the red wedding happens. Mm. I was like, I, so it was on my mind. I was like, huh. You know, I'm not saying he, he did, you know, draw from that, but I can't imagine he didn't at least read it at some point. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm babbling on now. Uh, the Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. Pick that up. I have I haven't read it, but I did watch a, a very good film based on it by a, a Italian director called Pasolini from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, Pasolini was an interesting guy. He made some very like weird films. Even he, he directed famously Salo or the Hundred and Twenty Days of Sodom, which is an incredibly disturbing piece of work. But he was great at adapting controversial stories, and uh, I think it's worth checking out. It's a, it's a, a very <laughs> bawdy, lewd uh, English tale told by a very pervy Italian. So it's oh, you know not one I, for the family I, at Christmas. Some, some of the tales do take place in Italy. So oh right, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah, if they take place yeah in Britain, France, Italy, all okay. the big names in medieval. You know, Lombardy yeah. is one of those. But yeah. Because this this year I'd um my one of my resolutions as well was I'm gonna read all the Shakespeare I haven't. Uh, right. I think oh no. yeah. Nice. Yeah. I just read Othello for the first time. It's really nice. good stuff. Like amazing for its time. Like it's it's grasp on like racial politics is Jesus. This Shakespeare guy. I know it's controversial, but pretty good at his work. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a hit. I think gonna he's gonna great. it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Oh my God, Tom Bombadil met Othello. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'd like to see that play. <laughs> <laughs> it's all po- Oh no, I always said it's all public domain. One of those things is not. <laughs> so, uh, well, no, I think we've rambled on enough about this stuff. Uh, let's get out of here then. Um, so, where can people follow you? And where do you have anything to plug at the minute? Anything you're doing? Not really anything to plug. I'm I'm working. Uh, I think I've mentioned it. I work in film restoration now. So hopefully at some point, because it's all, it's all very hush-hush what we're working on, when things are cleared, I can actually talk about them. And that'll be fun, because some good film recommends, you know? And I know this is a crap plug. I'm saying one day I'll have things to talk about, but not I right mean, now. I think, have you, did you... I can't remember if we've spoken about you working, because you can talk about it now, you working on Willow on the show. Oh, yes, yes, I... I because that was the, you know, I think a, a while ago you hinted at it. And you were like, oh, I'm actually yeah. doing something with Lucasfilm at the minute, but I can't talk. That's about the extent of it. Like, I can't say Yeah, I, I did some locations and COVID marshalling work on Willow when it was shooting in um, quite close to Cardiff, uh, Bridge End, around away. And very interesting experience. Like, really cool seeing the craft goes into it. Because at some points we'd be on there filming and you're like, why the hell are we doing this? This looks really like not great. And then I, you see in the trailer, and once uh, ILM have done their work, it's like, oh my god, that is like the magic of it, isn't it? I think the one li- of the light and magic. Yeah, one of the one of the things we shot, the the main stunt actor involved was the guy who plays Darth Vader now, the kind of David Prowse of the modern age. Oh right, yeah. this giant man. So it's was, it was cool getting to see like kind of Darth Vader and Wicket in the same scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. I will say seeing Warwick Davis in real life, I was like, oh, cool Warwick Davis. Because obviously he's a well-known 
figure in Britain. Like everyone knows Warwick Davis. But when I saw him walk, I was like, that's Wicket's walk. That like that kind of blew my mind to see, you know, because he's got. Were, were, were you a bit of a Star Wars nerd there at that moment? I did have a moment because I was I was actually like really impressed with myself. I was like, oh, I'm keeping it really cool. Uh, the, the girl who played Enfys Nest was there as well, Erin Kellyman. Also in the Green Knight, uh, speaking it's, of it's, a... Yeah, of course. It, it, it's a whole reunion of Star Wars people, isn't it? Willow. She, she smiled and waved at me and I was very happy because I was just standing, watching. She's, I think she's a very great performer as well. Yeah. And, um, good. Yeah, and there's a newer actor in it who I, I don't know his name, but he was also very nice. I don't, I, not like I really I spoke to them, but just the fact that they smiled and like acknowledged people doing jobs that don't <laughs> aren't really that sexy is like you know I always appreciate that. Yeah, there I haven't go. watched it yet, so uh, I will. Go. I will well, pl- plug Willow for the people. Then people watch Willow on Disney Plus because yeah, I think it's all. I think all the episodes are out now, aren't they? I think it's all out, and I think yeah. it's just worth. Uh, th- again, I think a bit of it. I don't know if it's been like a huge hit. I think it's been dragged a bit, of course, into the cesspool of like culture war nonsense because there's there's people who do anything in in the show at this point. Yeah. Like, uh, but screw all that. You know, we're all adults. Well, some of us are. I don't know. I I also don't think I don't think they ever intended it to be huge. Like I think they knew they were. Oh yeah. They were appealing to a very. A niche group of people with a yeah with the Willow fans of back from the eighties. So yeah, and yeah, you know, they they but saying that they put money in it. It looks good. It like yeah. it looks I, like a high budget thing. Saw some cool animatronic creatures on set, and I was like, ooh, yeah, man. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but the trailer impressed me. The visuals look cool, and I'm always down for some animatronic creatures. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that's all I have to say on that. Really, um. It was it was quite a nice experience. Great sets. Um, it was, you know, I think it goes. People take it for granted because everyone loves to pile on and like ridicule bad green screen in films now. Like the Thor: Love and Thunder when that came out, oh. deservedly so in some cases. Like I wouldn't say it was used amazingly well, but um, to see just something use so many practical sets, like really amazingly built things, it's like oh CG's great, but. There's something I think even I wasn't acting in it, obviously, but when you step on that set, you feel like, oh, I'm in a world. Yeah. I'm in yeah. this ancient temple, you know, it's great stuff. Great. Uh, there's no, there's no, I tell you now, there's nothing like being on a movie set, though. Like, yeah. I, I worked on a couple and it's a it's a thrill, isn't it? Like, I love it. Except the food. The food yeah, usually is The food could be better. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I've worked with some directors that have splashed out a bit more and they've gotten us some nice food. But oh, okay. Anyway. Must be nice. Anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let, let, I'll wrap up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you can not catch me anywhere online. You can catch me on Letterboxd. I'm um, at Jake Hart on Letterboxd. That's about the only bit of uh, social media I'm still on. Um, but you can catch me on... Uh, the Well Good Movies podcast, which is obviously co-hosted by our f- friend Dave, um, where he does that with his friend Craig McDonald, and I was just on there. Um, it'll be the episode will be coming out soon, uh, where we talked about the movie Seven, uh, ah. star- starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Kevin. <laughs> yeah, uh, let us leave it at that. Um, but yes, so yeah, we talked about that film. Uh, it's impact on the genre of thriller and neo-noir uh and it's obviously it's lasting impact in cinema and stuff like that so yeah check that out when it comes out to a great uh, great discussion we had 
Yeah, and don't worry, folks, you can watch seven standalone. You don't have to watch the first six films. Just watch seven. Skip ahead. Oh, do, do you know what? In like, because I did a bit of research before the show, I, I had no idea about this, but they actually planned a sequel and they were going to call it eight. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> eight what? Because it's seven I deadly sins. What, what's the eight? Know. But they actually had a sequel planned, script written, and Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman were like, what the hell? No. <laughs> But you know what? I hate it because obviously that's a dumb bad idea. But I would have loved to have seen another mystery like them hunting someone down. But but hey, if anyone wants more Seven, watch Zodiac, same director, amazing serial killer film. And then watch Mindhunter, amazing, yeah. amazing series. And then watch The Batman. <laughs> then watch The Batman, yeah, it's a cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. It's all leading up to The Batman. <laughs> Uh, right, cool. And then, uh, and then, of course, you can find the show, us, the Monday Lorians, on Twitter at Monday Lorians. If you have any questions or anything you want to discuss, tweet us over there. And it might be whether... the only way to reach Jake. It might be, it might be the <laughs> only way to reach me. Um, and whether you use Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you use to listen to your podcasts, please subscribe and follow us on there. And if you can, leave us a rating and a review, as it all helps us go up in the rankings. So. Uh, Niall, it won't be a two-week wait. It'll be, if my theory is correct and we get a double episode next week, we'll be back next week uh, discussing the mid-season finale. So, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll leave it to you, now. What should we sign off with today? What will we sign off with today? Um, you know what? Go and make the chunkiest, grossest-looking Wookiee soup you can. It's still cold. Slurp it up and have a nice night in. I can get used to this. I can get used to this. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>